0: You're listening to America's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, I feel all right
1: now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Motivated. Motivated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, yeah, Hell, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. He can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can hang. He can hang. Feels, Feels good.
0: Feels good. Okay, that can only mean one thing. It's time for David's pick. And uh, we always like to start with a Jody and uh, bring back some memories for folks here and there. And uh, we've got a great guest on. And I was just. Uh, telling our guests. Um, it, it's Jeffrey Kennetson. And uh, Jeffrey is a retired lieutenant colonel from uh, the meanest branch of the service, the Marine Corps. And uh, when the Army couldn't do it, they'd send the Marines in. Or, if the Army didn't want to do it, they'd send the Marines in. And that was the biggest case. That was certainly the case with me. I'd rather send the Marines in the poor Grunt that I was in. But anyway, welcome to America's Web Radio, Jeff, and thank you so much for joining us. And as I said just a few seconds ago to you, you do one of the most important jobs, in my opinion, going today. And we'll get into that, but good morning.
1: Morning. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Look forward to sitting around and talking about the things that are important to you and I and to our listeners out there so we can share a little bit about who we are what we do and why we keep doing what we do these years to give back a little bit of what we got living here in the greatest country in the world uh
0: you know um we uh we have one thing in common obviously we're a long ways away on rank but uh, i was a mere e5 when i ran out but anyway uh sir what we do have in common is our respect, and I know your love and my love for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and I want to tell everybody that um, Rick White, the director of it, uh, Colonel Rick White, retired, uh, has played such a major role in this show, and uh, plays a major role with... America's Web Radio in support of it and getting us guests and getting us information, and uh, I always like to salute Rick. With that being said, though, I want to go on to Jeff and uh, the fact that what he does, in my opinion, is probably, especially today, one of the most important things anybody could be doing. And... uh, Jeff is, works with and is the, uh, I guess, commander, is that right, of the?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm the uh, senior naval science instructor okay. at Allatuna High School.
0: At, and he works with our our youth in uh, junior ROTC. And I, as we look at the predicament we are in of sorts, and I'm not going to get political, but, you know, things have happened that we all, nobody's hiding from it. I don't guess you can, really. But I think it has bared out the point how important our youth are and uh, what they need to know about our history and how important that is. And, Jeff, if there's one term that you really want my white hair to stand up on is if you say, well, I believe in rewriting history. Well, I can't buy into that under any circumstance and uh, I think some of the things that we're going through right now will be history and it will at all obviously be history and written about many many times but uh you can't rewrite history. History is history. So with that being said, let's find out more about Jeff uh we know he's a little light and well no i can't say that about a a (laughs) lieutenant colonel that would join the marines
1: yeah a little strange isn't it
0: (laughs) Uh, we got to have those marines
1: yeah Yeah, yes first in last out you know someone america's 911 force all that great stuff yeah like i said before someone's got to be able to do it if the army needs a break
0: that's right and uh there's no one better than to send in the Marines, even though I've got a son in the Air Force, I was in the Army, and uh, then when it really counts, you call in 911 for the Marines.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the things we take pride in. The United States Marine Corps has always been, uh, actually, we're mandated by Congress that our service is to be, in quote, the most ready when the nation's the least ready. So uh, we have the smallest amount of the budget in the Department of Defense, and we do 30% of the heavy lifting. So we like to say we've done so much with so little for so long, we can do anything with almost nothing.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we can get you a little bit more money.
1: What will work That'd be good. And, I'll take uh, anything. Uh, Just a free lunch will be fine or a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that brings up a point that I try to always um, – Mention on on this show and other shows that we do for veterans, is that if you're in the airport, or I don't care where you are, if you see a person in uniform, or like most of us that that have been in the service, we can almost smell or tell somebody that's uh, in the military Buy them their dinner or their meal or their breakfast or whatever the occasion might be or even that cup of coffee. And the same thing goes for the first responders. I, uh, in my life, I've been fortunate to be uh, was in the army. I was in the uh, a first responder as well in college and. Uh, you know, and just the thank you, go up to a cop and just say thank you for your service, or mm-hmm. or that person in uniform. You don't know how that makes somebody feel. And yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I tell you, the um, uh, something that I would put out to all the listeners out there is that. I'm a, I ride motorcycles, and I'm a Jeep guy, and uh, the funny thing about both of those things is if you're in a Jeep and you drive by another Jeep, you wave at them. If you're in a motorcycle, if you're on a motorcycle and you pass another motorcycle, just put your arm out and wave at them. Um, what I do, is, anytime I go by a first responder vehicle, police, fire, ambulance, I wave at them. Uh, if I'm on my motorcycle, I give them a big thumbs up. And um, uh, you can see, you know, they wave back, and I... I don't think they get that enough if they're getting it. And I'd say to anyone that's listening, just take it on yourself and and throw them a thumbs up. You know, they need to see it. You know, they go through a hard time, and every one of those uh, career paths, they see the the oftentimes the the worst of the worst day of everyone's life. They get to see over and over again because they're there to respond and help. And they would really appreciate. That's they don't do it for money they do it for service they do it for uh you know a sense of a need to give and all they want is to be appreciated and if they they see that thumbs up just in that one second i know from someone just coming up to me and saying thank you for your service for the time that i've been in the military um that it's got to mean the same thing and that's the least i can do for them as they continue to wear a uniform and and work on the front lines today
0: oh it does and uh it's funny that you mentioned that because every every morning on my way to the office uh there's a, a cop that sits on same place same time same station every mo- every morning and uh, i do exactly what you said i give him a thumbs up as i go by and uh i i'd kill myself if i look back to see if he waved but uh, i uh you know i it doesn't matter and i i'll, I'll throw one other thing as long as i, I i'm generally not this personal but um when I when I was an EMT, and there's nothing you can, you can read the look in people's eyes, and I'm sure Donna Rowe and many of the other uh, folks that we've had on that uh, were nurses or doctors in in the field. But for me, the greatest appreciation and the greatest things I could ever get was when you looked somebody you'd made it to the hospital, they were still alive, and uh, the expression in their eyes you could you could just read it It was thank you for getting me to the hospital and uh, they didn't have to say a word it was just in their eyes of thank you and uh, you know those those two little words can go so far and they're so needed today and hope everybody will do it so let's get back to what you're doing um well you want to just give us a, a briefing of uh, career and then we'll go into how you wound up in uh, you went through all of this stuff, and now you've just gotten to a, a junior ROTC. My goodness, you went a long ways around to go backwards, didn't you? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind
1: of full circle too, because <laughs> uh, I uh, my dad was in the military, he was the Air Force guy. That's what he retired from, and when he did, we ended up in Georgia. So um, I was at North Cobb High School in Ackworth, and I was in the ROTC program there for four years, and uh, from that. Uh, I liked what I saw and enlisted in the Marine Corps right out of high school. 17 years old, I was at Paris Island. Despite my dad's best efforts to get me to go into the Air Force, ended up in the Marine Corps and uh, served in uh, most of my time in 3rd Force Reconnaissance Company to the rank of sergeant. And then um, eventually finished my college, got my commission, and I've been an uh, infantry officer by designation for my entire career, uh, either training or or deploying as an infantryman uh, or in reconnaissance or special operations units and had a heck of a time doing it and then thought I was done and pushed the button that said retired and all of a sudden I found myself at work again. (laughs) And I said, oh, this will be easy because it's training and I've been training people all my life. But it's a big difference taking 18 or 17 plus year old young men and women and Teaching them how to kill things and blow stuff up, and then uh, you end up in a classroom with a 13-year-old <laughs> <laughs> bright-eyed and bushy-tailed wondering what it is that uh, they got themselves into. Um, and it's a big difference, you know, because it's pretty easy to say on active duty we teach them to blow things up, break stuff, whatever, but it's totally different here. You know, this JRTC business that we're in is about today's youth, and it's about, as you alluded to earlier, you know, helping them face life's challenges today—that's what we're all about, and that's even in our mission statement. We we help them by doing um, with them uh, all the lessons that a lot of us—I don't want to say old timers—but when you think back and go, well, "That's not the way it was when I was young." Well, it is in, in G R T C. Our our program on the Navy side, and it has different names and all the rest of them, but our program uh, is in the Naval Education Training Command, and our branch is called the CD, Charlie Delta or, or Citizenship Development is what it uh, stands for. Um, but that's what we do. We teach civics. We teach um, history. We teach customs, courtesies, as well as just what it means. Uh, to build a team, to belong to a team, and to eventually learn how to go from following within that team to leading within that team. And um, if I was to read, I actually have, let's see, the mission statement. When you look at it, the mission statement for it is to instill in students in the United States secondary education institutions the values of citizenship service to the United States, personal responsibility responsibility and a sense of accomplishment. And when oh, no. you think of those different phrases, and we talk about what is hurting in our country right now, citizenship, service, personal responsibility, those things right there, that's the that's the elixir. That's the thing that fixes it all and turns our country into the one thing that it always wants to be, which is the land of the free and the home of the brave and the best place in the world to live.
0: Absolutely. And, oh. Uh, you have a heck of a job to do, my goodness! Uh, but I I love every bit of what you you just said. It's uh, our public education, in my opinion, has in many cases let us down, and it looks like what you're doing is picking up the ball and and going where we used to go when I when I was in junior high and high school back, you know, a hundred years ago, but. You know, we learned history, and I, I I would bet anybody some of these people that have been uh, knocking over the, the statues and all, don't have a clue of who the people are to begin with, and yeah. uh, they just do it. They're out to be malicious or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I've often said to some of uh, the veterans that come in that uh, I don't know what I would do. And I hope I'm never in this situation, but if I see somebody put a match to my flag or step on my flag, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I I, I know I will could go crazy easy enough, and uh, yeah. the respect for our country uh, isn't taught today like it used to be, except in your ROTC, your JROTC, but... Uh, like you said, this is the greatest country in the world, and the kids should know about it and how lucky they are to live here and be born here.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been to just about every, I've been to every continent just about in the in the world and been to so many different places, and I was just actually talking to my, my partner that works here, he's a retired uh, Navy senior chief, uh, and he's uh, on the... Well, he's a corpsman, and he's on the Marine side of that, so he's a qualified Fleet Marine Force corpsman and did a lot of work with uh, the Marine Corps and with the Army um, uh, throughout his time. And we were just talking the other day about that, and you look at – he was giving one of his stories about – I think we were talking about East Timor and uh, some of the things that were done out there and what you would see and and just say, hey, if so many of these individuals that feel so – that this is such a bad place could just take them with you. (laughs) <laughs> Just step off the plane for a second, smell the air, walk around, see how life is, and then see if you want to stay there, if you want to come back to the United States of America. And uh, and if you don't like the way it is, then be part of fixing it. Don't try to break it.
0: Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I had brought up many times that, uh, you know, uh, instead of putting them in jail, in my opinion, they should uh, put them in a bus, a, a totally gutted bus, drive them to the local Marine recruiting station and say you've got a choice and um, you can either go to jail or join the Marines and uh, you know the, the lack of discipline, the lack of, of knowledge and I, I, just, I just think what you're doing is so great. Now how long have you, have you been doing that with the JROTC?
1: Uh, for the last seven years in one way or another as soon as I retired um, I knew I wanted to do it and I got certified, uh, while I was on active duty as an instructor for both, uh, the Marine Corps and the Navy junior RTC programs. Um, and then started working right away at local schools. I was able to get a, uh, substitute teacher, um, credentials because it, these things don't open up that often. The jobs don't because people take them and they hold on to them because they're a, a wonderful, uh, great job. Um, but uh, so I taught, uh, substituted for uh, about three, I guess three and a half years, and then uh, got my full-time position here at Alatina High School. This is my fourth year.
0: Okay, so really not that long. And how old is the oldest when when they uh, leave your program?
1: Uh, Eighteen.
0: Eighteen. Okay. Eighteen. So, Nineteen.
1: Uh, I had a nineteen-year-old graduate last year.
0: Okay, so so it is high school, and then they go off. And so if you go back your four years, and you you've got someone that went through it, and then they went to college, they're probably just now getting out of college, right? Do you know if do you um, stay in contact with some of these folks? Some of the kids, I do
1: some of them, uh, especially the ones that go uh, and become uh, midshipmen, with a marine option, or if they go somewhere to get a scholarship. Um, and end up in the Marine Corps. So I'm in communication with one of them that's uh, a midshipman at uh, LSU Marine Option. He should be graduating. Um, He graduates this year. Uh, Another uh, that went to Jacksonville University and she was a Navy scholarship there, but she took the Marine Option in her last year. So she was commissioned a second Lieutenant this year. this
0: summer oh that's fantastic we're going to take our first break and um, jeff and i talked about this and uh the show is is called david's pick but it's in honor of and and in uh, combination with or whatever you want to call it with the georgia military veterans hall of fame and uh like i said at the beginning rick white does a fantastic job as the director and uh, Paul, that that started it, uh, he's still involved. Paul Lunger, and uh, he uh, he's a wonderful man and a and a chaplain. Uh, so, with that being said, what do you think of the Hall of Fame? Oh, I
1: couldn't, I couldn't, I haven't seen, and I can't think of a better organization uh, to honor veterans and inform the public about what service means uh... then the georgia military veterans hall of fame i uh, had the pleasure of being at their uh, board of directors meeting actually just yesterday and talk to the gentleman that you were uh, just referring to and seeing all the good and great things that they've been doing um and they just we have just started i say we collectively because i am deeply vested in uh... in the georgia military veterans hall of fame i think it's a great organization and i want it to keep moving Um uh, so, but they just started a uh, JROTC uh, portion, if you will, or a section of what they do is part, it deals with the JRTC program, scholarships, the award scholarships uh, last year to five uh, cadets in JROTC after some very uh, keen competition, um, and they have the JROTC medal that they put out for uh, the top cadet in every unit uh, in the state of Georgia that applies and goes through the uh, selection and awardee process. Um, but I also like to tie in the, the percentages of the contacts and that spreading the word and telling people what um, what it means to serve the country, um, especially from the state of Georgia. And when you look at that uh, and you say, how many people are on active duty in the United States of America? It's less than one-half of 1%. Uh, and when you talk about the people that are connected to them, that's that's only that's not even 4% of the entire population of the United States of America. And we have this, that's a very small living history that's walking around. So we have to take the written history that is captured in every way possible and not just in history books, but in places like the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, where in the Floyd building, you have those portraits up. And as soon as people get off the train there, that's the first thing they see is that, hey, you might be coming to the Capitol and getting off the train at the Floyd building, but... Welcome to Georgia. What's most important to our capital are our inductees to our Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And that spreads the word. And our JROTC linkage to that is that if just on the Navy side, we have almost 60 schools in the state of Georgia that have a Navy Junior ROTC program with about 100 to 200-plus cadets in each one of them. So you have over 6,000 um you know the potential for over six thousand kids over the course of four years to be exposed to all this history, and you have the written history in the inductees and their citations and what they've done—not just in in combat, but in service or achievement—and they learn those every year. They'll learn a new fifteen to seventeen, um, and they'll study them, and then they'll meet them when they get their awards. They'll have members of the board. Other uh, inductees come out, present the medals, and take that living history, the written history, expose it to a larger percentage of our nation, and uh, a portion of the nation that's already leaning toward service—not service necessarily service uh, in the military, service to their country in one way or another, selfless right. service to give—and uh, this is something is the way to go.
0: This is something that I always bring up on on all of these shows is that if uh and and quite frankly we don't have a lot of uh high school kids that listen to the show unless unless they listen to one of the podcasts but if a grandparent or parent is listening and and or the the child themselves the the a young adult is listening in our opinion, there is no better opportunity in the world than to join the military, whether you're just graduating from high school or graduating from college and haven't decided or haven't gotten a job yet, whatever. There's no better job than one of the military branches, and it's uh, you, can, you can make it fit what you want to do in a career, be it uh, anything from high tech to uh, – something on the water the navy i mean it's they, there is so much opportunity in the military that i suggest everyone at least check it out you don't have to take my word and go down and join tomorrow or jeff's word for that matter but uh, at the same token at least give it a chance and give it a good look at because and and you get to just like jeff said he's he's been on every continent and you You get – my son uh, is in the Air Force, and uh, he and his wife have uh, traveled all – well, they were stationed on Hawaii. That was a very tough duty station. And uh, then on to Korea and then on to uh, Germany. And, um, you know, from Germany, they traveled all over Europe. And uh, it's just – it's – I can't say enough about it. I wish – well – I know you'll find this hard to believe, Jeff, but I've made a few mistakes in my life. And one yeah. of the biggest ones was that I didn't go. I was in the service, but I was, as they call it now, I was a Vietnam veteran era. And they right. at least got the right word, E-R-R-O-R. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, but right now I realize how great the military is. And, uh, you know... I like Israel's belief that everybody should serve their country for a minimum of 2 years and uh, you know it, it, you get such a it's like I've told people before it it's uh, I still get chill bumps when I when the flag goes by mm-hmm. and um, oh, yeah. you know and, and we have a, a color guard or whatever it happens to be I just and you know, whether I snap to attention or not, at least I'm thinking about it and and what it all meant. So enough of, of me rattling on. I, I do ask one difficult question, Jeff, and uh-huh. of every veteran that we have on, can you name one veteran that you you know or you've met at the Hall of Fame or in any of your other organizations that can tell one story? I've never met one. They all tell a hundred stories, or they, exactly. uh, you know. <laughs> I was,
1: I was wondering if that was a trick question. No, that's usually what the problem is. We have a meeting or, or a get together, and we really never get to the get together or the meeting because we have too many stories to tell. <laughs> Sometimes it's you know the third or fourth time around, and it always gets better each time. So,
0: they they one up themselves, don't they?
1: Oh yeah, it's just like fishing. You can't you can't get around it.
0: <laughs> oh, but you know, there's. Nothing better than to just sit down and visit with a veteran and listen to those stories and uh, I encourage grandkids work with your grandfather or your grandmother, and listen to their stories and what they got to do and what they did in the service the other The other salute that I always do is to any of the dust off pilots I just those guys what they did in Nam was just absolutely beyond the belief and uh so we salute them. We salute the nurses and everyone else that served in Nam or in Desert Storm, Desert Shield, and uh, we want to thank, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, so let's get back to your kids. Oh, I, one thing I do want to ask: you reckon uh, we could ever uh, get you and a couple of your uh, Jr. Uh, kids to come in oh, to the yeah. studio? as
1: soon as, they, as, soon as the uh, zombie apocalypse is over, they they'd love the
0: chance. <laughs> well. We uh, would love to have them. So, uh, what's uh, how much drilling do you do, and how much uh, uh, discipline, and and that's part of drilling, obviously, is the discipline of uh, uh, marching or whatever, you, uh, whatever you're doing. But um, how much of that do you all do?
1: Well, you know, we have our fair share. What we like to. Basically, if you break it down into quick percentages again, it's, it's a 60-40 split. So 60% of what we do is academics. and th- those are all their grades and that's the classwork that they're going to be doing. Uh, now a lot that covers every kind of subject to include <clears throat> excuse me, leadership, history and civics, first aid, survival, and all those uh, kind of things. But um, we also our 40% is our leadership lab. So, during the conduct of any week, uh, depending on the school or the type of or the time of year, because there may be competitions coming up or what have you, um, we'll have at least one day of drill, at least one day of physical training, and then the remainder are classroom days. With a minimum of one full day uh, devoted to the uniform and the preparation for and conduct of a formal uniform inspection every single week. So. Um, what we do here is we build, uh, our job is to prepare them, as I was talking about before, for life's challenges and to get ready for what's next. And in order to make them ready for what's next, you have to make them lead. Uh, it, because you can't go out in the worried world ready to follow because someone's not always there to take your hand and pull you along to the next place you need to go. So what we're going to be doing every time that we sit down with any cadet is getting them from stage one of hey you're here, thanks for showing up, this is what I want to provide to you, to getting them to where they're now going in and they're finding someone and saying hey welcome, I was in your shoes one time, these are the things that I found helpful and this is how you're best going to move ahead and then watching that younger cadet start to follow that older cadet and develop that mentor role model and start following that as we develop that final stage of leadership in their fourth year. And we do that through a, a pro, our program. is Like every other RTC program, different sizes, uh, different places, they have a little bit of a different look. But in general, it's a military unit. And here at Allerton High School, we have a company because we have under 150 cadets. If you have more than 150 cadets, you can get. You may still keep that, but once you get up to some of these units that are at uh, 280, 300, and plus, they're in battalion size units.
0: Well, you but, know, uh, I would assume. and I'm just guessing this. That probably, Alatuna is a lot more flexible than your counterpart down in Noonan. Um, We had him on the other day, and and he was talking about what they do, and and in listening to what you all do, uh, I'd like to go back to high school. Is that okay? Yeah. (laughs) Are you talking about
1: Colonel Stafford?
0: Uh, Yes, sir.
1: Oh, yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, they they have, uh, uh, of course, they're in the Army uh, program, so they have different ways of doing things, uh, and uh, they are a a different size program than we are. But... um, One thing that we enjoy, and one of the great things about JRTC is there's so many things that you can do. Besides just leadership within the unit to say, "Hey, I'm in charge." That's not what we do. Uh, They, you know, they learn how to do that. They build up to it, and they're selected uh, by their peers and their instructors into the positions that they're in. But the greatest thing about it is that uh, we have six teams six competitive teams just in our unit. And every Navy JRTC unit is like that. We have a competitive drill team. We have a competitive color guard and a color guard that does events from Mm. parades to football games to everything else like that. We have competitions uh, for academics. We call them brain brawls. It's like a a quiz bowl kind of thing with Mm -hmm. pop-up questions Mm -hmm. and bonus questions. We have a drone team little quadcopter type things we fly through obstacle courses and as well as flying and doing reconnaissance routes with them with their cameras uh we have an orienteering team which is basically cross-country running with a map yeah just good old-fashioned land navigation but you're not <laughs> using a good old lens compass you're it's a different style of doing it and you're doing it all uh at the double um and we have our uh athletics that compete in field meets and then we have our uh, air rifle teams so uh, there is something for everyone in the unit uh, to compete and participate and find that sense of belonging and if that's not enough we do uh, what we call orientation trips and so we'll do two major orientation trips on average every single year one in the fall and one in the spring and that's traveling to jacksonville maybe jacksonville naval air station mayport Naval Station, Parris Island, South Carolina, Uh, go there three or four days, visit local colleges out there, visit museums, visit the base, get a tour of things, see how they train people. Uh, Sometimes they even let us tour aircraft and and participate in some of their simulators that do the training. Wow. Uh, So we're getting these kids, and some of them have never been out of Cobb County, Georgia, and we're putting them on airplanes and buses and taking them all over the country to experience things for the first time, to get a taste of what it is to be on your own moving toward a goal and bringing others with you as a leader.
0: Well, you've, and, con- you've convinced me. Where do I sign?
1: Yeah. <laughs> come right up to your counselor's office. And that's the easy thing about it is that all these – anyone out there that was interested or is interested or has a, a, a young and out there that, that they think could benefit from this, every single service has a, a dedicated portion of their site – or official sites that is for the junior ROTC program. And you have, the Army has over 1,700 units in the United States. The uh, Air Force is next with about 860. The Navy has 630. Uh, The Marine Corps has the 260. So uh, on those sites, they list the schools, and you can find out where the program is. And if they have a program with the JROTC unit in it, it's as simple as signing up. Um, it doesn't cost anything. You get a chance to look at it, and if you like it, you stick with it. And what we see is that we we get our kids in here uh, for at least, if when they come in, we'll keep 90, 95 to, to 99 is the highest I've gotten, almost 100% of our freshmen transition to do it again for a second year as a sophomore. And then after that, we start losing some because they have to do competitive things to graduate and depending on what, what they're going to try out what they're going to look at, but at least they've gotten two years of what we want uh, to give them the opportunity to experience, which is taking responsibility for their own actions, being where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, with the things they're supposed to have, and then having that sense of accomplishment when they finish, because there's so many things that they can participate in. We think that even if we lose some between the junior and senior, and, uh, or sophomore and junior and junior senior year, we're still absolutely successful and what we've been able to uh, provide to them in those first two years that they're with our program. So.
0: You know, I kid I about... I would love to uh, get more involved with what you do. I, I think it's fantastic. And let me ask, uh, as, as you being a Marine, and uh, my basic was a lot less extensive than your uh, boot camp, but even at, at my age today, I'll think back... Do, I may be doing something at my computer. I don't know. But I'll think back, and it'll dawn on me, during BASIC or during AIT, you know, why in the hell are we doing this? Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden today, it'll come back and say, well, you know, the military has been around for so long, and they, it's a continual battle of improvement, and uh, they, the discipl- a discipline that you get in the mil- military and the reasons for doing it, they're there. And if your sergeant says, duck, you duck, or you hit uh-huh. it, you know? And y- yeah. at the time, you wonder, why? This is stupid. Nobody's shooting at us. But, you know, you realize what it's all about later. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and
1: it, I tell you, it's uh, there's... Um, it's just like a in marine recruit training and maybe army's the same way you can tell me, but the uh the, the hardest part of the morning or hardest part of the day a lot of times is the morning and getting online after you get online and get counted, getting your rack made and getting dressed and getting back online and getting all that done in thirty seconds to forty five seconds. But you gotta you gotta make that rack, and if that rack's not good, it's ending up in the middle of the squad bay, <laughs> and in pieces and in piles, and people are fighting for new sheets to do it all over again, getting back to their rack, um, and, and getting to get just to get the day started is yeah. a struggle. So you got to have something you have to do every day, and it uh, not to, well. I'll shamelessly plug a book, but the uh, Admiral McRaven, oh. retire, and he's a great. Uh, great man. I had the opportunity to work for him in Afghanistan my last tour. Um, he uh, put out a book. It was basically after he had given a, a commencement address, uh, and the title of it is Make Your Bed, and the whole concept its simple. It's a quick, easy read thing. Uh, we read it with our seniors uh, as part of their curriculum, and the whole concept is you've got to start with something. You have to accomplish something right away. And he talks about how that was instilled in instilled in him in during Bud's training, uh, to become a Navy SEAL. Uh, but Uh, just like, and when he gave that speech, just like when I read his book, I remember the same thing happening in recruit training. I never made my bed going through high school unless my mom or dad yelled at me, but (laughs) this other person that yelled at me was much more convincing that I had to get it done. And, you know, for, I still, when I make the bed, I still put the hospital corners on them and it's got to be tight and you got to fight to get into it later on in the evening. But yes, those, those things still come back and get you, uh, in all the good ways.
0: Yeah. And there, you know, there's. I guess of, uh, and I can't address any other practices other than what I do. But uh, you know, there's there's a bottom line reason in the military, and somebody way before us, it could go back even as far as the revolution. That somebody somewhere decided this is what we need to do, and this will make our person that we're training that much better. And uh, and it lasts. It lasts your whole life, you know. It does. Uh, I don't know if your wife makes you make the bed or whatever, but uh, uh, we, we at least know that she would get a, a darn good job out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we—the same kind of thing we're doing with our JRTC kids, and that's what we want to give them is just another tool for the kit bag that says this is another way that I can do something. Uh, they they come to high school uh, kind of alone and afraid because they were the big man on campus. Uh, as an eighth grader in middle school most of the time so they come to high school and uh, they're it's all brand new again and so they they have a lot of those challenges that we've long since forgotten about and they come to us immediately they belong to a team so they have a coach they have a mentor they have a leader and a trainer uh, just in their two or three or four instructors, depending on the size of the school, and they have someone to confide in. And immediately when they look to their left and right, they have another 30 or 40 uh, cadets in their class or in their platoon that are going through the exact same thing, and they have those things to jump into, those competitive teams uh, or those organized events, other things to, to make them feel like they belong. And then we recognize them. Every, t- every opportunity that we can there's a, a very set just like in the military we have uh, award systems that range from the unit awards uh, and ribbons that can be awarded for accomplishing certain tasks to national awards that they have to compete for um, to be presented once annually uh, from either the director of the program or from the area manager uh, that may be a, a multi-state area but uh, we we're here to, to push them through i've seen nothing but great things i have the one thing i can absolutely stand on top of any bridge and scream at the top of my lungs is i have never seen any student leave the ngrtc program worse than they were when they got here everyone is improved one way or another and almost every one of them uh would tell you the same thing i think every one of them would they'll say that they might have had this thing wrong, or they didn't like to wear the uniform. They didn't want to cut their hair, but they got something great out of it. None of them will. None of them will hang their head and say, "No, nope, it was it's no good. It was no good for me in any way." Especially if they join the military, you know, because they get a pay raise.
0: <laughs> you know, along with what you're saying, and and I don't mean to put words in your mouth by any means, but once you've gone through it, and once you're into it. <laughs> And I'm sure even on, on the level of the junior ROTC is the same way. Um, you realize that you can have another family, and then when you go on in your career in the military or whatever, and and I would assume that you, uh, you teach some of this even in uh, junior ROTC, but you're not there for yourself. You're there for the guy that's on your right, on your left, in front of you, and for the guy that's got your bike, and uh, you got your six or whatever you want to call it, and uh, that you like you said, and and for those kids, and and there are a lot of them today, unfortunately, that feel like they don't have a family, or their family has abandoned them, or they've abandoned the family for whatever reason. Well, there's no bigger or better family than the military. Like I say, it's the biggest. Fraternity or sorority in the world, and it's the best. And you know, for any kid that's, and and this is where the problem is today, in my opinion, and in a lot of cases, they're looking for the family, and that's what they get sometimes in the gangs or, you know, whatever it is. But you can't beat the military family.
1: No, I agree completely. I mean, I've lived. a blessed life and and it was uh and the times the best times that I had were the times in the military living especially when we lived on base in that community where you're surrounded by that stuff that uh, everyone's got a common bond everyone's got a common uh, you know belief in service and it's just it's just kind of amazing it's kind of like utopia America because we have a hundred percent and that's kind of weird Earlier, you were talking about Israel. One of the benefits, at least we have here, even though we don't have compulsory service, that is a benefit because uh, 100% of the people that are in our, our military want to be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I mean, we that's with us being at war for 20 years. And uh, they're, we're, they're still signing up, and they're still going over and over again.
0: That's you know, true.
1: I, I, I saw guys um, over there and talking to them. Uh, either in Iraq or Afghanistan, and talking to some of the units that would come through that I have friends in, and I'd be talking to them, and they'd say, hey, yeah, so-and-so over here, the sergeant so-and-so or, or whoever, has this is his 10th deployment, and, uh, and they still keep coming back, and then they stay in the military because they want to be there. And when, when you take that, that drive and that desire and you put it into a community on the base, it's just, I mean, Norman Rockwell would paint a picture and it'd look like that. We walk outside of our door and it's, uh, you know, the guys are, uh, the people that are, the men and women that are serving, they've long gone and they're at PT. And then the, the uh, spouses uh, are walking out with the kids to put them on the bus and they're all drinking coffee together because they all have spouses that are doing same or similar things and have same or similar experiences and in the evening when everyone comes back if they're not on deployment or gone uh everyone comes out and i know in our neighborhood at camp lejeune the last uh, base i lived on they, they there'd be a fire pit going in the yard and people would just congregate it like fly uh, you know like fireflies and they just mm-hmm. all show up over there and have a great evening together uh and that included it didn't matter if your spouse was there or not um Everyone was welcome. Everyone was invited. Everyone took care of each other. Everyone knew that they didn't have to get anything back. They just wanted to help, to give. And that sense of self, uh, selfless service is one of the things that we instill here, starting here in JRTC, We do community service every opportunity that we can. We, get, we try to get 2,000 hours of community service with our unit uh, every single year. Sometimes we're on the lower end, just over a 1,000. But, you know, that's these kids wanting to do that. And they're going to be able to tell you, if you ask them, that they don't do things for themselves. They don't say, I or me or my, unless it's something that went wrong, and they're explaining how they're going to keep it from going wrong again in the future. Jeff, Jeff, I
0: need to interrupt you and and take another quick break and uh, mention the fact that um – Everything Jeff is saying, you you can take your family, your kids, uh, anybody to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And as uh, Rick White, Colonel White, has told me, uh, we've got the uh, induction ceremony coming up in on November the 7th in uh, Columbus, Georgia. And uh, like Rick always says, bring your own box of Kleenex. You'll hear stories that you won't hear anyplace else. You go through the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and read the stories about our true heroes, the people that have stood up for our flag, stood up for their countries, and make us free today. And it's just the most inspiring thing that you'll ever do. With that being said, i got to put a plug in, too, for my the city where I live, which is Johns Creek, Georgia that has the uh, Healing Wall, and it's in Newtown Park in Johns Creek, and that's the uh, 50% size replica of the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. And the one in Johns Creek is the one that traveled all over the United States for many years, and now it's uh, settled and it's got its home in Johns Creek, Georgia. With that being said, too, Georgia is turning into quite a, a place to go and learn about veterans uh, uh peach Tree corners has a memorial for veterans uh, vietnam veterans and it's just we have to have our memories and in our memories we have to teach our kids and uh have them respect what their forefathers have done like Every time I read the Constitution, I'm just totally amazed at our forefathers and and what they thought through and what a document they drafted. And uh, we're free today because of our Constitution and our military and our civilians that give unquestionably... For your freedom and my freedom so back to Jeff and talking about the kids we've got about uh, oh, let's see about uh, seven minutes
1: well I'll, I'd like to go back and uh, kind of tie into what you were just talking about with our Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and that is that uh, the induction ceremony happens uh, out of town or down south there near near Fort Benning area and um, But um, there's a second ceremony and that's the unveiling ceremony that happens right in our state capitol. So uh, another opportunity for people to experience and see that uh, type of event uh, will happen in the the early part of the year. It's a little bit more flexible dates because it deals with the ability for uh, certain people to attend. Last year's we were able to do it uh, in the actual rotunda of the state capitol building. The uh, junior RTC cadets that I'm talking about, some from my school and half from my school and half from the King's Academy, where Colonel Steppett, one of your previous guests, um, where he teaches or uh, leads his young men and women, Um, we all uh, convene there, and everyone that was inducted gets their official portrait that will be hung uh, in the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. All of those are unveiled, the pictures and the citations. The families are there. And I can tell you that last year, not only was the rotunda completely packed, and every approach to the rotunda crowded with people that were touring the Capitol, that left their Capitol tours to get as close as they could before they were told they couldn't get any closer to the event, because we had the governor, the assistant governor, representatives, um, and uh Not only that, but you'd look up, and there's multiple levels that go up throughout the state capitol building, and each one of those can look down into the rotunda, and those were full of employees of the building and people touring the building, and uh, everyone there was absolutely blown away by what it meant to recognize the individuals that were inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. So, uh, if you can't get to the induction ceremony, which, uh, like uh, like you said, is highly recommended, then there's the other opportunity: is the uh, unveiling ceremony in the early part of the year.
0: Absolutely, it was. Uh, that was my first experience with it, and uh, made my decision uh, to go to uh, Columbus this year. As a matter of fact, but you know it's uh it's it's just indescribable and and the information that you can get and teach and and uh, you know grandparents and parents make a full day of it if you you know there's amazing number of georgians That are not aware of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And so if you're traveling into Atlanta or you're living in, you live in Atlanta and you haven't been, then I certainly suggest that you go. And if you're traveling through, um, Atlanta, make that one of the stops. Make the, uh, Healing Wall one of your stops and also, uh, Peachtree Corners one of your stops. That's, you know, we, you can't, (laughs) quite frankly, you can't learn enough. And you, your cup won't overflow learning information about veterans, the men and women that have gone before us, to give us the opportunity to raise our kids and be a part of the greatest nation in the world. And uh, if you make a day of it and you're down at the at the Hall of Fame and uh, want to eat some lunch, they've got a great little cafeteria there in the uh, in the Floyd Building. So, you know. Put us on your put us on the list, and uh, we we look forward to it. So we're gonna we're gonna eventually get some of your. Uh, do you call them cadets or what? What what yes. is the official title?
1: Yes, they are Navy JROTC cadet.
0: And uh, it's got to be it's got to be fun for them and the and uh as as the platoon leaders go into i guess you have officers and and all of that that uh, mm-hmm. as do. as they take their rank uh, it, it's got to just be a wonderful thrill for them oh uh, yes
1: we we really try to do it up we have uh we end the year as far as big events we, we start the year with a with a pass and review ceremony where the new leadership is on display and, and executing a standard uh, pass and review parade for the parents and faculty and some, some guests. And then we end the year with an awards night with uh, all of the same people there. Uh, and it's even bigger you know, with a big dinner and all that. And then they all get uh, the commissioned officers get commissioned that night, uh, some some senior enlisted cadets will get promoted that night, and all of the major national and area manager awards get awarded in front of everyone. So they get that wonderful experience of recognition and, uh, you know, solidifying their their sense of accomplishment and being a trusted and uh, uh, needed member of the team every single year. And, and if they don't get one themselves, they see the pride in their fellow cadets, and it's a, it's a win-win every single year.
0: That is just absolutely super. Um... you you must be thrilled every night when you go home and and the feeling must be wow what an accomplishment
1: well I tell you there's a it's a that's kind of a mixed blessing because sometimes I get home too late and my wife gets mad at me. But the, but that's just because these kids, they, they love it so much and they're so involved. They're on those teams. They come in in the morning at 6 o'clock to practice for one team. They go to school all day and they stay after school until 1730, 1800, practicing for another team. And then they do an event at the school that night to support a color guard for a football game or a basketball game, and then they'll do a community service or a competition on the weekend. And us instructors were with them every bit of the every bit of the day. But uh, yes, sense of pride happens every single time. But it's like, there's nothing that beats it when you pin a new rank on them, when you put a new medal on them, uh, and that gleam in their eye is uh, is just fantastic. It's nothing that beats it.
0: And I bet you none of them take a knee.
1: No, no. (laughs) We kneel to pray.
0: Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Jeff, what you're doing, again, my hat's off to you. You're doing a wonderful service, wonderful job. And if people don't realize and appreciate that, then they're totally out to lunch. Uh, Our... (laughs) You know, I can't say enough about our kids or our future, and uh, in a lot of ways, my my time here has uh, we've helped mess things up. But what you're doing is is straightening it out for many many futures to come, many generations to come, and uh, I don't know how any better to say it than other than. Thank you for what you do day in and day out. And, you know, you can tell a lot of things about a person in their voice. And the pride that you take in your kids and the pride in what you take in what you do every day comes loudly through and clear in, in your voice and your excitement about what you all are doing. And uh, my hat's off again. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about it today. And uh, Like I said, I I give thanks to every one of those uh, kids that steps into our program and, and walks out of a better person and uh, moves on into the rest of their life a little more prepared than they were before they showed up. So It's a great thing to do. I, I almost have to give back my paycheck, but I'm holding off on that right now.
0: Well, one last question. Will yes, you come back to see us and talk Absolutely. to us? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And
0: maybe we we can figure out a way to get the color guard in here and watch an old man go crazy.
1: Yeah, that would be a hoot. They would absolutely love it. Our color guard cadets, they go everywhere and do everything, and every opportunity they have to go to a new place is a a real joy to them.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jeff. Um, This is Jeffrey Knutson, retired lieutenant colonel. And uh, from the Marine Corps, everybody has a little fault in them, but he's, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Love yeah. the Marines. But thank you for being on David's Pick today, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon.
1: Thanks for having me, and I, I really look forward to it.
0: Great. Thank you, sir. All right. We'll be back after this, and uh, we got more to come. We've got uh, the uh, Healthcare Insight with uh, Ron, uh, and we'll be back... Ron Bachman, as a matter of fact. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.